Hi, welcome to Broadway Assembly Church Podcast. We are excited for you to be joining us today. If you want to get a notification of the most recent uploads, please subscribe to our podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Uh, from the Bible, we get a variety of answers, right? Everybody, some passages maybe appeal to you because you've experienced something in your life. Other passages appeal to other people because of their life circumstances. But I think that we would have, there would be some common answers that would pop up, you know, more than just different ones. One example would be maybe Genesis chapter 1. You know, you just love the story of creation, how in the beginning God created everything. Some people really love Psalm 23. And so if I were to ask what's your favorite passage of Scripture, some people would say, I love Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Isn't that an awesome, awesome passage of Scripture? Other people might say, you know, my favorite passage of Scripture is John chapter 3.16. I love thinking and learning and meditating upon the love of God, that God so loves the world, everybody. God loved me as well, that He gave His only begotten Son, that I don't have to perish, but I can have everlasting life. But I think, of all the answers that would be given, one passage of Scripture that would pop up here and there, that, that a lot of people would say is their favorite passage of Scripture, is Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8, and to my opinion, is one of the greatest chapters in the entire Bible. And here are just a few uh, wonderful and marvelous truths that Romans chapter 8 contains and some of our favorite passages that all of us you know, might know by memory, but we don't really necessarily know the reference. Romans 8 tells us that we are the children of God and that we can know that we are the children of God. For as many, the Bible says, Romans 8, 14 through 16, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby ye cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Aren't you thankful to be a child of our Heavenly Father? Amen. And that you can know it? Another thing that's, that's uh, in Romans chapter 8 is that our present difficulties pale in comparison to our future existence. Paul said in Romans 8, uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 18, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. In the great by and by, everything is going to make sense you know, in, in, in our lives. Another truth in Romans chapter 8 is that God is working all things for our ultimate good. Romans 8, 28, you know this verse. And we know that, that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are the called according to His purpose. Another great truth that is in Romans chapter 8 is that nothing can separate us from God's love that is in Jesus Christ. Paul said, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor, 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 nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. That's some awesome truths that, that we kind of take for granted as Christians, that, that nothing can separate us from God's love, that, that God is working all things for our ultimate good, that, that what we're experiencing now pales in comparison to what we will experience when we're in heaven, that we are 
the children of God. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Romans chapter 8 is one of the greatest chapters in the Scriptures. But of all the great truths that are contained in Romans chapter 8, in my opinion, the greatest truth is in this very first verse. Of all the great truths that are in Romans chapter 8, to me the greatest the, the greatest thing for me is this, that there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Paul assures us as Christians that if we are Christians, if we are in Christ Jesus, if, if we are uh, believing in Him, that we do not need to fear the judgment of God. And Christians, we must grasp this reality that there is no condemnation if, if we're going to grow in grace. And isn't that what it's all about as Christians, is growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, if you are a Christian here tonight, I pray that, that, that you would feel and that you would know that there is no condemnation in your life if you are a Christian. But if you're not a Christian tonight, if you haven't come to saving faith in Jesus, may, may you be gripped by the conviction of of sin, may you feel that condemnation and may you turn to Christ and experience the indescribable reality of no condemnation. Amen. Tonight the first thing I want to look at is the meaning of no condemnation. Before we get too far down the road, I don't want to just assume that we all understand what Paul means when he says that there is no condemnation. The Greek word here for condemnation, it means basically two things. Okay? Condemnation refers to the sentence, and it also refers to the punishment from that sentence. Okay? So, so when Paul says that there is no condemnation, what he's talking about is, first, the pronouncement of the guilty, but also the punishment that comes along with being guilty. There is no condemnation. There is no Guilt, if, if I could say it like that. When, when, when he's talking about condemnation, there's two aspects there. As I said, that this person is guilty and that this person deserves the punishment that comes with being guilty. And Paul says that believers, there is no condemnation. There is no de declaration of us that we are guilty of our sins because we are in Christ Jesus and there is freedom from the consequences that comes with our Guilt. Here's an analogy that could maybe help you out. Hopefully, you know, uh, you know, this is just a random, random example. Suppose there is a crime that has been committed by somebody here tonight. Let's say that you murder somebody. We'll, we'll go, you know, hopefully to illustrate the message here tonight. A crime is committed, uh, undeniable, murdering somebody. Um, the criminal is apprehended, okay, taken to, to jail, and then the person is uh, by trial and then eventually the person gets convicted. What condemnation is, is that the person first is found guilty and sentenced to the death penalty. Does that make sense? That's what, that's what condemnation means first, is that we've been sentenced. We, we, we have, there's guilt there, but the second aspect of it is not just that you have been sentenced, the criminal has been sentenced to the death penalty, but the second aspect of it is the actual dying by the death penalty. Okay, there's two aspects of it. Not only uh, is that criminal, if he's found guilty of murder, not only is he guilty and, and he's found guilty and he's sentenced to death by the death penalty, but the second aspect of it is he actually dies by the death penalty. 
And Paul says that the Christian, for the Christian, we have no condemnation. Okay? Number one, that means that we are not judged guilty for the sins that we have committed. And, and I know this isn't rocket scientists, but all of us have committed gross immorality against our heavenly Father. Amen? And we, it, we're not, not guilty because we haven't sinned. We're not guilty because of what Jesus has done for us, as we'll talk about a little bit later. So when Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation, he's saying first that we are not guilty for the sins that we have committed in the past. But the second aspect is also true, that we are not subject to the punishment that comes with the sins that we have previously committed. Isn't that awesome? We do know what, what the punishment for our sins is, is death. The wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 5, Paul, the only other place in the New Testament where this particular word for condemnation is used, he uses it as parallel to, to death, and not just physical death, but a spiritual death that is spread to all of mankind as a consequence of Adam's sin. And what Paul is saying is that we are not have no, we have no condemnation that we will not die that, that ultimate separation of death that comes to the unbelievers who are outside of Jesus Christ. So what does it mean, again, for, for, for no condemnation? First thing it means is we're not guilty. Amen. We are not guilty. The second thing it means is that we're not going to be punished because of the sins that we've committed. So if that's what no condemnation means, and if you're a believer tonight, you have no condemnation, what does it not mean? Okay, what does it not mean for, for, for when Paul says here? The first thing that it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that, that no condemnation is not a feeling, it's a fact. A lot of people, when they read this verse, they kind of understand it through the lens of, of my feeling. Well, I don't feel like I'm not you know, I, I, I don't have condemnation. I kind of feel condemned or, or maybe because of a, a, a overactive conscience because of sin that they committed in the past that's been forgiven. But friend, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ Jesus, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what feelings you might have, you are not judged by God as guilty. Right? If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins, if you've turned to Him... God is not going to hold you accountable for the sins that you committed in your past. It's not a feeling, okay? It's a fact. There is therefore now no condemnation. The second thing about no condemnation, I think this is also super important, is that it's not the opinions of others. Okay? What's not mentioned here in Romans chapter 8 that, that, that we all really know is true? But Paul doesn't mention it. Okay, What's not mentioned here is who is issuing this declaration of no condemnation. right? Paul doesn't say, there is therefore now no condemnation, and this is the opinion of God. But we all know that that's what's being said, right? Later on in Romans, Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34, Paul says this. He answers this question. Who is the one who is determining whether or not we are not condemned. Is it us? Is it other people? Is it, is it other people's judgment of me? Is it my own judgment of myself? No, friend, it's, it's God. Listen to this verse, Romans chapter 8, 33 and 34. 
Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Another way of saying God's people. Who, who can bring a, a charge, an accusation against the people of God? And it's stick. Notice this expression. It is God that justifieth. It is God. That's, that's the same thing of saying no condemnation. It is not myself that justifies and says I'm not condemned. It is not other people's opinion of you that says you're not condemned. It is God that justifieth. Then Paul gives kind of this sarcastic question. Who is he that condemneth? If God is the one that's justified me, if God is the one that said you're not guilty of the sins you've committed, then who, who cares about what other people say about you? Who is it that condemneth? It is Christ that died, right? It is Christ that has died for our sins, but rather that is risen again, who is at, even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So some might say, you know what? And, and we've all heard this. We probably have all been guilty of this ourselves. I don't really think so-and-so is a Christian because they're, they're, they're still doing this, right? They're still doing, doing that. Now, if the person is committing black and white sin that, that is strictly forbidden in the Bible, that's one thing, okay? But sometimes we quickly judge people for things that aren't even in the Scriptures. We say, well, I know that they're not, they're not a Christian because they're still doing that. If they were really saved, right, they would be doing what I think they should be doing. Friend, if that's our attitude, we need to be rebuked by the Apostle Paul. We need to be really be quiet, right? Because why? Because you're not the one that saves and justifies anybody. I'm not the one who saves and justifies anybody. It's God. Right? Why does any Christian have no condemnation? Because of the grace and the mercy of God. Amen? So, so, so some, you know, somebody, you know, you're like, well, why, why are they doing this? It's not the opinion of others that, that is why you have no condemnation. If somebody comes up to you and says something, don't care about that, right? It is God that is the one who justifies. So what does no condemnation mean? It means that we are not judged as guilty for the sins we've committed. Second thing is we're not subject to the punishment that comes with the sins that we've committed. If that's true, then that means it's not a feeling. Some days I might feel really good and spiritual. Other days I might feel terrible. doesn't matter. It's a fact. I have no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. It's not the opinion of others. It's not even my opinion of myself. It is God's opinion of me who says that anyone who comes to Him and believes and trusts in the Gospel has no condemnation. That's what no condemnation means. Let's look at the second thing tonight. The timing of no condemnation. Paul adds a small word here, but it's so profound in Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. What is that word? Now. And I love it. There, I, you know, this is one of my favorite verses thought about it hundreds of times. There is therefore no condemnation. Nope, skipped over a word, right? There is therefore now no condemnation. See, you see, not only is there no condemnation for Christians in a gazillion years or whenever it is when we stand before God at the judgment, not only will there be no condemnation then, but there's no condemnation now. Okay, somebody needs to get a hold of that. There's no condemnation 
now, friend, that the, the benefits of salvation that we have because of what Jesus has done for us are not simply experienced in eternity when we're going to be living in heaven and not in hell. But the benefits of salvation, one of which is no condemnation, are experienced by the people of God in the present, right now. Amen? Now, when, when Paul uses the word now, I think he means two things. Number one, I think he's contrasting now with the previous life uh, of sin. Okay? There is therefore now no condemnation. He's contrasting what is present and what is true of Christians now versus what they were before they met Jesus Christ. Now, I have no condemnation. Before, anybody want to testify with me tonight? You had much condemnation. Anybody remember before you met Jesus? You see, condemnation of God, the condemnation of God, is not simply reserved for the future of every sinner. But the Bible tells us that even right now, unbelievers are experiencing the condemnation of God. You say, oh, I don't believe that. Well, hopefully you trust Jesus. And Jesus in John chapter 3 said this, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not... The person that is not a believer, an unbeliever, is condemned already, right? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Toward the end of the chapter, John, the author of the Gospel of John, said this. He said, he that believeth not the Son, anybody that does not believe in Jesus, shall not see life. Will not have this eternal life he's talking about, but the wrath of God, it doesn't say will abide on him, but the wrath of God abideth on him, abides on him. Right now, if you're an unbeliever tonight, you're experiencing the wrath of God in some sense. The wrath of God is not just entirely in the future. Condemnation is not just in the future when God says, depart from me, I do not know you. Condemnation is experienced by the unbeliever right now. Now, now, how is this condemnation experienced in the here and now? Well, I, I can kind of only speak from my personal experience, but remembering what it was like before I met Jesus, some of the things is bondage to sin. An inability to stop sinning. Right? That, that just I couldn't quit it in my own. A guilty conscience. Man, there's not much worse than that. There is not much worse than just a, a conscience that just pricks and, and, and just, you know, is always a lack of peace. And not having peace, not being able to sleep well at night, not being able to rest, knowing that if you died, you will go to be with Jesus. But that's things that the, the, the unbeliever right now is experiencing. They're experiencing bondage to sin, a guilty conscience. But now that we are in Christ Jesus, we're not experiencing those things. Amen? We have no condemnation. I do have peace. I, I don't have a guilty conscience. Amen? Paul said this, and, and, and the word now is an important word through Romans. I didn't really realize it before I was studying the sermon. But in Romans 6, he says this. He says, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Then he says, but... Now, 
being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness in the end everlasting life. Amen. Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation. We had much condemnation before we met Christ, but I thank God that there is no condemnation now. Another thing Paul means is this, and this is a little harder, I think, to grasp, but I think it's true, is that it, Paul is communicating that we are living in a different age than that of the Mosaic Law. Okay? Now, in case you didn't realize this, when Jesus came, it fundamentally altered and changed history. Okay? Jesus' death and resurrection, and then the pouring out of the Spirit in Acts chapter 2, began a new time period in God's redemptive plan. And I think that's signified by the word now. In, in chapter Romans chapter 3, verse 21, Paul said this. Again, the word now. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. God's righteousness has appeared in a special way now in the person of Jesus Christ that did not exist before the coming of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse number 6, but now we are delivered from the law. We do not live under the law. We live under grace. We live in a different time period, amen? But, but um, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So what Paul is saying when he says now, he's not just saying you personally, the now that you experienced before you met Christ and now it is fundamentally different. But Christians, we live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of the resurrection. And there are advantages that come now that did not exist previously. And I'm not saying those people couldn't be saved and right with God. But there are many advantages that come in the now that I don't think existed before. And I think one of those advantages, perhaps, is this no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. Why? Because the, the, because the law, verse number 2, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Have you ever thanked God for when you were born? Okay. Now it would have been awesome to live, you know, with the prophets in the Old Testament, the Psalm, the David, all that. But aren't you thankful to be on this side of the cross? Where all of us, Acts chapter 2, can experience the Spirit. Where the Spirit isn't just reserved for certain times and certain people to perform certain tasks. But the Spirit of God is poured out upon all flesh. Where we have no condemnation. Amen. The timing of no condemnation. Finally, we want to conclude with the scope of no condemnation. For you see, the blessing of no condemnation is not in the possession of every person. I know this is basic, and it's already been said basically, but I want to bring this out. Paul limits this no condemnation to who? To them which are in Christ Jesus. Everybody else outside of Christ is experiencing condemnation. Romans chapter 5, verse number 18. By the offense of one judgment came, Okay, that one is Adam. By the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. 
This blessing of no condemnation is only for Christians. It's, again, I know this is common sense, but it's only for Christians. It's only for those who are in Christ. It's only for followers of Jesus. Only Christians are not guilty of their sins. Only Christians will not be punished for their sins. And it's not just because they live a super morally superior life to other people, but it's because we are in Christ Jesus. And this is one of Paul's favorite expressions, this phrase, in Christ, or in Him, or in Jesus, and different variations of it. And according to Paul, it isn't just no condemnation that is, that is found in, in Jesus, but it's also other blessings. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Where can you find spiritual blessings? It's only found in Jesus Christ. Christ earned all spiritual blessings, and these blessings are given to God's people when they come to Him in faith. Now, what does it mean to be in Christ? What does this mean? I think an easy way to say it, really, is it's just another way of saying having faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, When a person hears the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, was buried, was raised from the dead. He hears that, conviction grips his heart, he turns from his sins, and he accepts and embraces the Gospel. That person is placed in Christ. When, when a person doesn't just hear the Gospel and know with his head what Jesus did for his sins, and believe that it's true in a historical sense, like, I believe that Jesus actually existed as a person. He actually died. He actually rose from the dead. But the true faith is more than just believing with our heads, but it's accepting with our entire being and personally trusting in what Jesus did as the sole source of why we can be right with God. Amen. To be in Christ is to accept what He has done, to receive what He has done, to believe what He has done to trust what He has done. And those who have faith in Christ, those who are in Christ, those who are Christians, those who accept and embrace what Jesus did, have all spiritual blessings. Paul said that in Ephesians 1. But those are the ones who also experience the great blessing of no condemnation. Amen. If Katrina will come to the piano or however you guys want to work it. The question is this, and I already mentioned this. This is how I want to end. God, who is the one that declares, us, declares no condemnation? Is it other people? Is it your family? Okay. Is it, you know, well, I'm saved because mom and dad think I'm saved. No. Who's the one that says no condemnation? It's God. God, Paul said in, in, in Romans 8.33, God is the one that justifies. God is the one that says no condemnation. But you ever ask, why? Okay, why does God say that? Well, certainly, it's not because we've never sinned, right? Certainly, it's not because we never transgressed God's law. All of us, even the most pious individual in here tonight, has transgressed God's law. Aiden, uh, just uh, Katrina's teaching him some, some of his ABCs with the verses. The very first one, A, all have sinned and come short the glory of God. That's basic Christian theology. All have sinned. We're not no condemnation. 
We don't have not, no guilt, not because we're not guilty ourselves, but why? The answer is this. this. This declaration of no condemnation comes to us because Jesus was condemned for our sins. Trinity could start playing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul said this. For he, referring to God, God the Father, he hath made him to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There's a great exchange that takes place. This is awesome. That Jesus got what we deserved, which is death, which is the punishment for our sins. He tasted death, Hebrews says, for every man. Jesus got what we deserved so that we could get what he deserved which is righteousness, which is divine acceptance. How can we be right with God? How can we have no condemnation? How can we have assurance that we're saved? How can we know that that we're not going to be held guilty of our sins and and not be punished the eternal death that, that is awaiting all unbelievers? How can we know all that? Well, it's not we pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and try to live a better life for the next 40, 50 years until we die. It's to trust in Jesus that the perfect, eternal Son of God stood in our place on the cross 2,000 years ago. He was condemned for our sins. And because He suffered that condemnation, now me and you can stand in God's presence without condemnation. Isn't that an awesome thought? So if you're here tonight and you're not an unbeliever, I want to invite you to come and trust in Jesus. Turn to Him. Amen. Trust in the Gospel and know that you will have no condemnation regardless of what sins you may have committed. And tonight, as as probably the majority here tonight is believers, as we come to find a place to pray, let us celebrate this. Let us rejoice in this. Let us not take it for granted that there is therefore now. You know, all of us, I don't know if you remember yourself, but we did some pretty bad things. But God doesn't hold us accountable for those. God doesn't hold that against us. God's not going to punish us for that. So let us just be celebrating that. Let us not take it for granted, but let us rejoice in it and be excited about it and live our lives in light of the freedom we have. Amen. That we have no condemnation. Amen. I would like to invite you tonight to pray. If you're an unbeliever, if you're a believer, it doesn't matter. But let's come find a place to pray. Let's think and meditate and pray on that wonderful verse in the Bible. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Amen.